It is time. It's game of the year time for 2023. Of course, we can't do game of the year for 2024 yet. Wait, we we cannot because no. I already had it. Although okay. so far this year, I've been playing Slay the Spire. Oh, okay. Which I'm enjoying. Fun? Yeah, I'm actually really enjoying okay. it, but I'm not very good at it. And I started the Pokemon DLC. So that's nice. they're my nice. they're my very relevant game of the year. Game. So Pokemon far. DLC. Pokemon game, no, DLC. I'm gonna give it to Slay the Spire so far. Okay. Um, the Pokemon DLC is fun, but the second part of it is really hard. It's you're really doing the, hard. You're doing the uh, for context the first DLC, the the teal mask. Well, there's two parts of it, right? So there's the teal mask, yeah, and done the that. second one is the indigo, indigo disc, disc or whatever. Okay. Yeah, I'm on the I'm on the disc one. Um, nice, where okay. you're in the little terrarium thing is really, really hard. It's like the hardest Pokemon game I've ever played, and it feels kind of unfair. But nevertheless, that's not what we're talking about. We have game of the year. We're, the way I would like to do this, we each go through our picks and then we come to our consensus at the end. I think we've done that in previous years. Uh, boys, would you mind if I went first this time? I do not mind, Uh, although I do think before we dive into the list, just a quick recap, Mm -hmm. I think would be useful of the hardware that we use to play games, sort of to to paint a a fuller picture. Um, So what have you been using this year to play games, Mike? Well, it's actually a combination between PlayStation 5, Okay. uh, Nintendo Switch OLED, Okay. uh, Steam Deck, I now have a Steam Deck OLED. But I didn't play any of these games on that. But I, I traded my... Well, I returned my Steam Deck. No, wait, no way. I returned the PlayStation Portal. That's what I returned. Because that was a disaster You sold your Steam Deck. And I sold my Steam Deck, took all that yeah. money, bought a Steam Deck OLED. Yes. Okay. Great idea. Okay. Uh, for the, one of the games I'm going to be talking about, I played it on my game, gaming PC. Okay. And I think that's it. PlayStation 5 as well. That's, I actually okay. ran the gamut this year. I played something yeah. on everything. Yeah, uh, my list this year is a pretty short one for reasons we'll get to later. And the hardware that I use is the Nintendo Switch OLED and my gaming PC, which at the moment is the Asus ROG Ally. So that, that is my gaming PC uh, that I can use as a handheld or with the external graphics. Uh, but that, I haven't really been taking advantage of that uh, because I, I don't need it for uh the game that i played on pc this year which we'll get to later but yeah all handheld for me this year basically wow okay so for me it's been ps5 it's been xbox x and s i have the x in the shed and the s is indoors okay i've been playing on the switch both the oled and the Mm non-oled the oled is in the shed uh, the older one is indoors, but because I didn't bother with all the account migration stuff, most of the digital stuff is on there. So that's the one I end up playing most. Plus, it's very family orientated. I've been playing on the Steam Deck, but I've also been playing on my three-year-old Dell XPS, which has got a 3070 or 3060 graphics card in there. So it's not great, but it's okay. Um, This year, I'm planning on upgrading to a killer desktop PC with a 4080 card so that I can take advantage of my 57-inch Samsung screen, which is pretty much overkill for everything else. It really does need a decent PC to drive it. But PS5 and Xbox X have been my 
main gaming devices this year. The interesting thing I've noticed from all three of us is we've not done a lot of VR in 2023, have we? None. None. Well, yeah. I, I, should no. say, I shouldn't say none. I've like tinkered, but like nothing serious. Like I've tried a few things. I I am interested in the um the lo- that Loki is it called Asgard's Wrath? It's a it's a quest exclusive that IGN gave a ten out of ten. Wow! Wow! Which okay, is, this is the first time I hear of it. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, I, I don't think it's making waves, uh, but it it's just intriguing that they gave it's like a full on RPG in VR, basically. I bought right. the PSVR two. I used it once with friends, I and I put it. That. Put it in a box and yeah. forgot about it yeah. <laughs> until a few weeks ago. I was like, "Oh yeah, I have this thing." I totally forgot about it. Uh, yeah, mm. yeah. Asgard's Wrath. It's, it's something on my list. I might get to it at some point just to try it. Um, but I don't think I'm gonna really dig it. But mm. apparently, it's very good. So, okay. Well, uh, Mike, you were about to start your list. Yeah, I have five games on my list. Um, These are my favorite five games. It's not everything I played this year. Uh, Pour one out for Starfield. It's not making the list. Yeah. Um, But these are the kind of the five games that that I enjoyed the most, made the biggest impact on me this year. And I am going to go in like descending order. Or ascending order. I'm going from five to one. I can't remember. Is that ascending yeah. or de- ascending that is, order? Right? That is ascending. Yeah, yeah. ascending so, to number one. Yeah, ascending number in rank, five. but descending in numbers. Num- number five, Dave the Diver. Okay. It's a very fun indie style game. This actually caused a lot of controversies. Yeah, it's not an indie, an indie game, game. <laughs> uh, but it looks like an indie game and it tastes like an indie game. But it was made by a big studio, but it was been uh, nominated. I think maybe did it win indie game in the uh, anyway? Um, Dave the Diver. This is a game I've never played. A game that's had so many mechanics done so well. Like it's got lots and lots of different things that you can do. None of them are necess- are the best of any of these types of games that I've played, but for how many different types of games are in this game, I don't know if I've played a game that's done so much so well. So you've got like kind of uh, undersea exploration in a 2D plane, you know, so you're going down and you're like exploring caves and stuff and catching fish, and there's weird, fun twists and turns of it surprisingly intriguing story in the game but you've also got restaurant management sim you've got a farming sim uh there are relationship kind of things that you can build like it it gets quite complicated but not overly complicated as you move through the game and you can continue playing post story i think for more complication but i kind of like fell off the game after completing the story but i had a really good time with dave the diver um and and i is a all five of these games i that i'm going to mention i really recommend that people play them because i think they're all great Uh, at number four super mario brothers wonder this is a delightful video game. It's very attractive. It's very nice. I think that maybe my ranking of it here could have been affected by playing co-op. Co-op can just be straight up frustrating at times playing this game. You know, like if you dare to get too separate from each other, someone will die, you know? And it's like, it can get a bit... Uh, like, I feel like Disney Illusion Island is another co-op game that I played this year that I think does a better job of dealing with co-op uh in the way that it works and and the frustration level 
uh, inherent to it. Like one of the th- key things that annoyed me about the the co-op in Wanda is that if someone was to die, then the camera control moves over to the next person, which seems simple but can can be quite frustrating. But the badges are an interesting mechanic. It adds a choice complexity, which could be good or bad depending on the person you are. But really, for me, the thing that I like the most about this game and why it's on this list is the the delight in some of the weird and wonderful things that can happen in this game. Like it surprises you a lot with what it's doing. And, um, and I, and I really appreciated it for that. At number three for me is Baldur's Gate three. Wow. Okay. This is a sprawling, huge, maybe most open game I've ever played. Um, I've never played a game before where, it feels like there's story in every direction. You know, like sometimes you're playing an open world game and sometimes you'll feel like, oh, I'm over here doing this thing. And so I've kind of reached the edges of what this game can feel or what it offers and it's trying to push me back. You never really feel that with Baldur's Gate 3. Like it just feels like no matter where you go, there are interesting things going on in each and every corner of it. Um, it is incredibly well written and voiced. Uh, I would say, actually, I find the story to be a bit heady at points. Like, it gets a bit hard to grasp. Sometimes there are, like, things that are happening where I feel like I'm supposed to have a big emotional reaction to them, but I just, like, don't understand the words (laughs) that people are saying, which that might just be a a high fantasy thing. You know, like, I don't experience a lot of high fantasy, um, either in my TV, movies, or my video games, so I may have just gotten a little bit, like, lost in the source. Uh, The combat is in pure 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons and is very well executed and is very fun to play. In my experience, this game is really only playable with a keyboard and mouse. Like, I know so many people that have not played it that way, but I have tried both, and the way that the UI is presented is about as good as you could do with, like, a bunch of wheels that you can choose from if you're playing in controller. But for me, it just made it very, very complicated to play. Um, this, to be fair, this might be better on a TV. Like I tried it on my Steam Deck this way, and it just felt like too much of the screen was being taken up by UI. But maybe mm-hmm. if you play on PlayStation with a, in front of a television, it's not so bad. But if you can play this with keyboard and mouse, I think it is the best way to play. Um, I have finished Act Two and started Act Three. Okay, and I was I've, about to ask where you were in the game. Yeah, yeah and I haven't come back to it. Um, I feel like I hit a bad point in uh, that I felt like the game was maybe dragging a bit for me at this point, And I kind of felt like I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be doing. And then I hit a very busy work period. So then just had no time to touch it for like six weeks. And for me, that is like the death knell of a video game. Exactly like the, the exact same thing happened for Wonder. I was playing, um, I think I was playing them concurrently. Um, and I just, did, I've just, stopped having time for video games for a bit and then I move on like I'm very if I take a long gap from a game it's very hard for me to get back into it I would actually like to try and go in and finish this game um because I feel like it's yeah I put put in so many hours at this point I should probably see the end um one of the things that frustrates me about the act system is there are certain quests that you can complete in each act. And when you change from act one to two to three, it, there are some quests that you just fail for having moved forward. And it tells you, it's like if you move forward now, these quests will fail. But 
I find that quite frustrating because I was on some quest lines that I was enjoying and I wanted to like mainline them, but then it just meant that there's stuff that I could not go back to do. And I understand for story ramifications that it is that way, but I also feel like that's the way they chose to build the game and I don't mm-hmm. particularly like that. But infinite replayability this video game like you can re-roll a character completely different class and you could i'm sure you could play this game and have it like feel like you're playing a second video game because there's so much stuff you could or couldn't do in it my one thing about Baldur's gate 3 which has been frustrating to me is i feel like i've heard so many people talk about it as game of the year and then say they haven't completed it and i find that to be really Mm. weird there was a I don't know if you, if you're up to speed with the besties I podcast. Am. Yeah. But yeah, there was a whole conversation that they yeah, had. Yeah, and it was for... great. And <laughs> yeah. like I think that what Griffin like Griffin had a bad example uh, had a bad uh, uh, time with the end of the story and, and it tarnished his view on it and and I feel like a lot of people could have felt that way. Um because they actually went it back in and changed the end of the game because a lot of people were really unhappy with the way that it ended. So I am actually happy I have not completed it until now. Um they did do it before the end of last year, so like I'm sure many people were coming to it. But this is across a lot of podcasts and uh, people that I follow online were like, oh, yeah, it's the game of the year. I'm only on Act 2. It's like I, I, I kind of feel like, for me, if you're going to call something your game of the year, you should complete the story if it's a story-based game. And that is maybe just like a weird hang-up that I have. Yeah, I'm... I'm afraid I'm not with you on that, but I'm not saying you're wrong. I know why someone could disagree with me, but I just feel like if it is a game that hinges on story and you don't like the way the story ends, like you think it's poorly executed or it undermines the story you've played, then your opinion could be significantly changed on the video game as a whole. Or yeah, like, that makes sense. What if the whole third act of a video game, the control system just like doesn't work very well anymore? You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, it, yeah. It is intriguing to me to be like, yes, this is of all the video games I've played this year, this is the very best one, but I haven't finished it. When there is like a finish point, and I don't, I don't feel that like you have to do every single side quest and side story. Like, spoiler alert, my next two games, I have not done that, but I've finished the main. like uh, objective of the video game in both of them you know yeah for me i would say if i've got what i want out of that game and i don't feel disappointed or frustrated that's enough for me that's very different to me stopping playing a game because uh it, it it's frustrating or i stop liking it sure sure but then it's that is I get that and like for you to have your own personal enjoyment out of it. But then it is odd to be as like, oh, that's my game of the year, though. I don't. Know. I think for a for a story based game, I've got to agree with you. And anyway, my number two, and this was hard, mm. is Marvel Spider Man Two. Okay, this okay. game kicks so much butt you cannot even believe it. Like. This game rules. It rules so hard. And it is such a shame that it came out this year because this is a out-and-out game of the year, right? Like, it just came out at the wrong time. Like, if this came out, maybe last year it would have done it, or this year maybe it would have done it. It came out in a year when there were, like, many significant games (laughs) that all could have won game of the year and they all pushed ahead of Spider-Man 2. It, and I just find it so frustrating for this video game. It is, in my opinion, the best action-adventure game that I have ever played. 
It is a technical masterpiece. It is the most beautiful video game I've ever played, kind of from a graphics perspective. Not art direction, although that is also great, but this game looks incredible all the time. The fast travel system is just unreal. You open up the map, you say, I want to go here. Literally any point on the map, they're not just waypoints. You just say, I want to go to this street. And it zooms in and you're on the street. No loading. I don't think I hit a loading screen in this entire video game. I've never experienced a technical achievement like this one. I know that some people had bugs in the game. Obviously, they're going to be. I experienced none. It was an absolutely flawless playthrough the whole way through. It has such incredible writing in, in many instances. But like, there is this one point where these two, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but the two characters, while fighting, are having a meaningful emotional conversation. And, and it was really affecting to me. Uh, from a set-piece perspective, this game wipes the floor with anything I've played before, including Last of Us, including Uncharted. Like wow. There are set wow. pieces in this game, including the opening, which is maybe the best 10 minutes I've had in any video game ever. You feel like you are legitimately playing a movie. Like It was eliciting me to be like, ah, like this was the experience <laughs> I was having. It's insane. It's insane. Like, I don't know how they did it. Like, seriously, this game, it's worth the price of admission to play the first half an hour. Like, you could just stop and you'd be happy. Um, the only downside for me is towards the end, the story starts to drag a little bit. I feel like if the ending of this story was a little more tightened up and it sustained what the rest of the game had uh, played like, this would have been my game of the year. Because I was, my expectations were exceeded even more for this than my Zelda expectations. My Zelda expectations were higher. Like, I expected The Legend of Zelda to be my game of the year, right? So I had very high expectations. And I loved Spider-Man. Like, that was a fantastic game. But this game, you, f you can fly in this video game. You just fly. Whenever you want, you can just fly. <laughs> like you, the swinging is incredible, but how about just flying now? Do you want to fly? Like it's crazy how well it does at what it's doing. Uh, and the side quests are fantastic. Like some of the Spider-Man games in the past have suffered from too much repetitive stuff, and there is still some of that if you want to get into it. But they crafted a bunch of really great side quests, and also like the collecting has story beats to it. Like, the things that you collect, the collectibles in the video games, every little while there's story stuff. And when you finish any of the collectibles, which are all very achievable, there are actual uh, cutscenes and story beats to them. Like, so good. The Mary Jane missions were really fun, which I thought was I really respected Insomniac for doing because it was something that people really hated about the first game. And instead of getting rid of them, they put the work in and made them really good, in my opinion. But there's just... Some the final part of the game, there was I was just finding myself asking questions of like, is this realistic based on what you've shown me? You know, like there was a kind of it dragged a little bit, and and the the very ending kind of let me down a little. But if you boys haven't played this game, please, I still haven't. Federico, <laughs> so. you, you liked the first one, right? 
I did. Yeah, you are going and, to and flip Miles out Morales. when you play this game. Oh, you've okay. got to do this for me, Federico. You okay. have to play this game. Like, just download it and play the first half an hour. <laughs> like, trust it. This, it's mind-blowing. Like, I, I cannot even express how good it is. Like, but overall, all in all, this game is fantastic. Like, for me, like, it's the same as the first one where all I wanted to do was keep playing the main story. Like, it's giving you so much to do as you're playing, but the story was so engaging. It kept pulling me along. Really, really, truly excellent video game. But I've got it installed. I promise I'll play it tonight. Please play it. But unfortunately, for Spider-Man 2, hmm. Nintendo done did it again. Yeah. Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is my game of the year. For me, it is undeniable that they did it. Like... I, you know, Breath of the Wild's my favorite game of all time. And they took every part of Breath of the Wild and improved on it in a way that felt impossible. So, you know, they took the new mechanics, the new mechanics that they added on with the Ultra Hand and the fusing, etc. It changed the way that the game felt, even though you, even when you're in the main Hyrule area, which you've played before, like it's still... Mm-hmm still feels new because of all of the weird things that you can do within it. They effectively double the map size, right? Like, and I I don't think it's tripling. It is more like doubling. There's it's way a, less to like, do. It's like two and a half. Yeah, of, but yeah. there's way less to do underground than there is on overground. So then they add the sky islands, right? So I feel yeah. like between the combination of those two things, it kind of fair. Yeah. doubles what you can do in it. In a way that I don't know how they did it. You know, I talk about Spider-Man 2 being a technical achievement. I don't know how they managed this on the Switch. Like, it it really is incredible. And I feel like I am so happy they delayed this game for that reason. Because I feel like the delay that they made on this game was to make sure that this game was going to work properly because it should not work, right? Like, the physics should not work. The The way that you can move between, you know, the Sky Islands all the way down into the, the depths in one f- movement, like, is, is mm-hmm. kind of incredible. It is a it is a bit of a miracle that yeah. this game works yeah. on the... Even, the, the like, the original Nintendo Switch hardware, like, yeah. uh, th- from seven years ago, a game of this size, it's just a, a, such a remarkable technical achievement that this game exists on the Switch with all the obviously graphical limitations that apply but still it runs and it's incredible there is a like a 10 part documentary series about how this game works you know <laughs> someone <laughs> needs to do it uh it's it's incredible and and like you say you know graphically it is what it is but it's beautiful right like this mm. is the way the art direction saves the hardware right like the art direction of this game is wonderful Uh, and the biggest improvement for me was they added not just a story a really good story you know like i feel like breath of the wild didn't really i mean there was a story but there wasn't really a story like Mm, it, it wasn't really much it was just like just keep going this game you know not they added a a fantastic story that you can just by design, they needed to craft it in such a way that it can be experienced in any order. You know, like the my wife played it, and the way that she experienced the end of the game was completely different to me 
mm. which is kind of incredible. And, you know, I talk about how incredible the opening for Spider-Man is. The ending of this game is five stars. Like, yeah. it's, it's as good as anything that you could wish and want for for a game. Like, the whole crescendo to this game was incredible, but it actually, whilst amazing, it changed my experience with the game. So with Breath of the Wild, once I defeated Ganon, I just wanted to keep playing the game. But with Tears, I didn't want to go back to it once I did it. Like, I feel like it completed the game for me. And so I have not had the desire to go back to Tears of the Kingdom and spend another 100 hours in the game or whatever like I did last time. So that is an interesting downside for me, I suppose, for the game is... I've not felt the pull to go and do all of the other stuff. Interesting. Um, and I am living the complete opposite, and I'll yeah. get to it in a minute. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like it's something I will want to go back to at some point. And I played a little bit. There was some stuff I did want to see. Like I went and rebuilt that little town. Like I just wanted to do that because I thought it would be interesting. It's like a little mini game to play. But after I completed Breath of the Wild, I just kept playing it for like another year. And I mean, to be fair, maybe in a different year, I would have experienced Tears a little bit differently, but there was just so much other stuff I wanted to play this year. But everything that I played of Tears was just a wonderful experience. And I'm not ready to call it my uh, my favorite game ever yet because I feel like I need more time, you know, like for, for me to want to knock Breath of the Wild off uh, because you can never take away that experience, right? Like the Breath of the Wild experience came from a whole different mindset and what you were expecting it to be and it being the first Switch game. And like, you know, that we, it will be hard to, to take that away. But Tears of the Kingdom is a better game than Breath of the Wild. I'm just not sure it's my favorite yet, but it is my game of the year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So, my list of games. Before um, we get to your list, Federico, let's thank our sponsor of this week's episode. Okay. And that is Hollow. Have you ever tried a buckwheat pillow? They are very different to the fluffy, soft pillows that you may be used to. Hollow pillows, buckwheat pillows, support your head and neck fully in the exact way that you'd want them to. Unlike traditional squishy soft pillows which collapse under the weight of your head, a buckwheat pillow provides the support that you're looking for. Soft pillows allow your neck to fall in a downward bend, adding uncomfortable pressure to muscles, nerves, and discs. But buckwheat pillows, like like the hollow pillow, will give you a very comfortable, very supportive night's sleep. Hollow stays cool and dry. Most pillows will absorb and retain body heat and moisture. You do that thing where you're flipping over to the cool side of the pillow. It feels because it's warm and humid. Buckwheat breathes better, so you don't need to do this anymore. If you're currently using two pillows or you're folding your pillow in an attempt to provide proper support, that's a sign that your pillow isn't right for you. Hollow support allows you to keep your head and neck exactly where you want them and you can remove the filling or you can add more through the zippered opening so you can adjust this one pillow to fit your liking exactly. I have been sleeping on a hollow pillow now for like five years every night. I will never go back. I love the way this feels. I love that I can arrange my pillow, I put my head on it and it doesn't move. But it's not like 
firm, like super firm or hard. It still contorts to the way that I want it to. It still feels nice to move around on, but it also feels cool and calming. I love it. I will, I have no desire to ever change. I love my hollow pillow. Buckwheat is a more natural way to sleep, better than a sack of plucked bird feathers or a petroleum-based foam. Hollow is made in the USA of quality construction and materials. Their certified organic cotton case is cut and sewn for durability, and the buckwheat is grown and milled in the US. People love this pillow. People like me, and you'll also see it in the customer reviews too. Listeners of this show can sleep on a hollow pillow for 60 nights, and if it isn't right for you, you just ship it back and they'll give you a full refund. Go to hollowpillow.com slash remaster. If you try more than one, you'll get a discount of up to $20 per pillow depending on the size. You can get fast free shipping on every order and 1% of all profits are donated to the Nature Conservancy. Why not give the gift of better sleep too? Hollow is a unique gift for your family and friends who are going to appreciate it every night, not just for you. That is H-U-L-L-O-P-I-L-L-O-W.com slash remaster. Hollowpillow.com slash remaster to try it for 60 days. A thanks to Hollow for the support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Federico, sounds, give me your list. Sounds like a, before you carry on, mm. That is not the sponsor I was expecting, mm-hmm. but is exactly the sponsor I needed. It's so good, Shayan. So I gotta get one. Good. That's that's you just described. I mean, you didn't have to pitch it beyond the first fifteen seconds. I was absolutely sold. I mean, that thing about it replacing two pillows and about it adapting to the shape of your head and it's staying cool. These are all the things that I've needed for a long yep. time. I use a combination of two really expensive pillows. One of them is a temple with a recess. Never really did it for me. The other one's, I think, a nest, which stays cool, but just flops all over the place. Mm-hmm. And no matter which combo I try, forget it. You know, there's just never any real comfort. So, yes, I'm, I'm signing up. Do it, baby. All right. Third time's a charm. Go for it. So uh, the, the the one thing I want to say before I get to my list is that in 2023, I didn't have as as much time for an, uh, entertainment, all kinds of entertainment as I hoped. I, I didn't listen to enough music, I didn't watch enough TV, and I didn't play enough video games. And the reason for that is that we spent uh, basically all of our free time, uh, my girlfriend and I, just thinking about finishing our apartment, Mm -hmm. uh, buying furniture, doing work around the house. It took up months of our free time. And that is the reason why uh, mine is a pretty short list and my backlog is pretty huge at the moment. But the the good news is we finally finished and by finish i mean truly finished uh our apartment in mid november mm. uh so we're done and i have slowly gotten back to playing video games and listening to music and watching tv and uh, but that that explains why you know 11 months of the year i i had very little time for myself but that being said i still found the time to really enjoy four games that are in my list with two other games that I want to mention that I liked, um, one of them not so much, however. Um, so number four, I guess I'm, I'm copying the mic approach, uh, Sea of Stars. So this is a, a, a an indie game. Uh, it's a JRPG inspired, it's a JRPG Chrono Trigger inspired, very liberally inspired by Chrono Trigger. Um, 
uh, role-playing game with delightful graphics and a fantastic combat system that is sort of um, let down by a, a, a good story with very forgettable writing. Mm. Um, this game has an excellent soundtrack and also like a pretty interesting setting. You're playing as these two characters that are like this 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 boy and this girl and you are selected uh, by sort of the uh, the head of your village as a, as a teen to be two solstice warriors and you're taken out of your home when you're like 10 or something to enroll in this magical academy in the sky and you're gonna you're not gonna see your friends for 10 years and you come back 10 years later you're now this ripped solstice warrior and you gotta save the world and it's it's even like an interesting premise you know taking these kids out of the village and enrolling this in enrolling them in this academy for a decade you know training them in, in magical spells and physical exercise like that's pretty fascinating but the writing of this game is very simplistic to the point where you spend like the first hour of the game you know doing this onboarding tutorial slash you know get to know the characters and there's this montage of like there's these kids and now you're you know that the, the, they are forced to go to this academy but like after an hour of playing the game you basically don't know these characters at all and um, I'm about 15 hours into the game, which I am really enjoying at this point. I'm, I'm sort of more than halfway through by now. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm playing the game because it looks great. It plays great. And the story is interesting. But it's, it's, it's the, the kind of thing where you're like, man, this story is really good, but I wish you spent as much time in the writing department as much as you did for graphics and for the soundtrack and for gameplay. Mm. Um, and, and it's too bad because I am really enjoying this game. You know, the, the combat mechanics are trying a bunch of the different things that, that I haven't seen done so well in JRPGs. Um, it's not active time battle like Chrono Trigger. It's borrowing some elements from, from uh, Bravely Default, for example, and from Octopath Traveler. Uh, you know, how you can do combo moves with multiple members in your party and how you, you, know, you got to exploit these different weaknesses, these elemental weaknesses in your enemies and how you can chain those two things together. It can be a very challenging and dense RPG, um, which I am super into, uh, but unfortunately the story could have used, could have used better dialogue, could have used more fine tuning. Uh, so that is why it doesn't, uh, it stays at number four for me. But however, I want to mention, um, this is a really fun JRPG if you are into um, combat mechanics and exploration. Um, and plus, it looks really good. Yeah, if you have a Steam Deck, Steam Deck OLED, it mm. looks really good on an OLED display. Okay. Number three for me, um, Metroid Prime Remastered. Um, this is a game that I was not expecting. I had sort of lost hope that Nintendo would ever do a proper remaster of the original Metroid Prime for GameCube, and boy, what a remaster it is. Um, this game does, does one thing so well, in, in my opinion, which is it, it makes me remember Metroid Prime like my brain wants to remember it you know when you're little you look at this you know i remember these games from the gamecube era from the playstation 2 era thinking oh these are amazing they look so realistic and if you try them again today you know more than 20 years later you're you realize it 
this is what I used to play at 480p and I used to think it was hyper realistic and it looked incredible uh, but that, that's how you know progress works in the graphical department for video games but this remaster considering how it is on the Nintendo Switch I don't know how Nintendo have Retro Studio Retro Studios have done it, but this game looks incredible. Um, it takes Metric Prime, and it's not just an upscaling, you know, like like you like I may have, you know, I've played Metric Prime Metric Prime emulated via Dolphin with an upscaling technique before. Remastered looks better because they have actually updated the textures, a bunch of UI elements. Uh, they have redone the lighting of the game. It looks fantastic, and it's still such. A, an immersive and hard and just a fun game to play if you are into not necessarily first-person shooters, but shooters with a lot of exploration involved and a lot of backtracking involved and making sense of this alien world of Talon 5, which looks amazing on the Nintendo Switch OLED. Um, I am... I mean, I finished Metroid Prime 20 years ago uh, on the GameCube. I am savoring uh, the end of Metroid Prime Remastered because I'm going for 100%, and I am, like, at 80% of the game. I still got to do the final part of the story, uh, but I've taken my sweet, sweet time exploring Talon, 5, Talon 4 and um, sort of collecting all the energy tanks and missile upgrades. Um, but this game, it really makes me wish for obviously for more Metroid Prime Remastered. Uh, I never finished Metroid Prime 3, and I barely even remember Metroid Prime 2 um, Echoes. So I hope that Nintendo is working on remastered version of those games. But really, this game is making me wish for Metroid Prime 4, like never, like never before. And I, and I kind of know that it's at this point it's going to be a, a Nintendo Switch 2 title, possibly even a launch title for the successor of the Nintendo Switch. But yeah, what, what an incredible achievement, um, f- even from a technical perspective, that this game is. Number three, obviously, Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Um, uh, we, we spoke about this game on the show before. It is the kind of game that it, it makes me feel like the Nintendo designers were finally allowed to go crazy with their ideas like all those ideas that you've been saving over the years now you can put them in a single game and um the the sheer variety and fun and challenge of this game if you want to go for a completionist approach the challenge is there um it looks lovely obviously on the nintendo switch and again looks so much better on a nintendo switch oled than on a classic lcd um it's fun. It's perfect for portable. Um, you know, you can pick up the game, do a bunch of levels, and then put your Nintendo Switch to sleep again, and you can pick it up a few days later, and it's gonna be fine. Um, the, the 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 how you can choose between multiple characters, how you have this light RPG elements with the with the different um, badges that you can attach to your main character, so you can upgrade your jump, or you can you know swim faster underwater. You you have all these little skills that you can equip, and you can change them before each level to sort of optimize for the kind of level that you're about to face. I think it's really clever. Um, 
I haven't, again, I haven't finished the main story, but this is per- very much a game that I am playing every once in a while in small doses when I want to play a Mario game, and I think it's going to last me a while. I'm basically treating this game like Mario Kart. Like, every once in a while, I pick it up, I play a bunch, and I have a great time. And everyone, you know, I want to try the co-op multiplayer with Sylvia, which we haven't done yet, but it's on my list of things to try. And yeah, it's. Uh, I think there couldn't have been a better sense off for the Nintendo Switch in terms of the Mario franchise than Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Um, uh, and, and I say this as the kind of person who typically prefers 3D Mario games. I'm not a 2D Mario guy, but this one is really, really good. And lastly, um, my game of the year is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And I have a very peculiar relationship, I think, with Tears of the Kingdom. It's like I have lived two lives in Tears of the Kingdom. I finished the main story and I played about 70 hours of Tears of the Kingdom in the first half of 2023. And I don't want to say, I obviously enjoyed the game a lot, but I could feel that I was rushing through a lot of things and a lot of areas because I wanted to finish the story before the summer. Because I knew that I was going to be traveling in the summer. I knew I was going to be busy with my iOS and iPadOS review in the summer. And there were a lot of areas that I just rushed through, you know, because I needed to hit the main story. The, yeah, I, I was I pushing to, you to finish it too. And you were pushing yeah. me to finish the story. I needed to finish the story. But still, I put in 75 hours of playtime. So I had an obviously amazing time playing the game. But I am living now sort of a second youth with Tears of the Kingdom, since I picked it up again over the holidays, I uh, I have put an additional 20 hours into Tears of the Kingdom. I've been playing nonstop every day. Um, you know, good couple of hours every single day, uh, at night usually. And now I feel like I am rediscovering mm. the joy of Tears of the Kingdom and how dense and incredible and 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 challenging at times it can be um it's you know just taking the time to explore if there's one thing that i think nintendo has done better than breath of the wild here i mean besides the story besides the music besides the building mechanics what i think they've done better than breath of the wild is the the serendipity in this game where you are exploring and as you explore, you discover something and that something leads you to something else entirely. And that loop, that virtuous loop of like, you're discovering something that leads you to another discovery that leads you to another discovery. And suddenly like another whole branch of side quests opens up for you. They have done that so much more and in the process so much better than breath of the wild. It is kind of ridiculous. Um, I did, for example, like the other day, I thought, you know what I'm going to do? And this is how I've been playing this game. Now I'm looking at a map and I'm like, which part of the map do I feel like I don't know well enough? And I just point my finger on it and I fast travel there. And so I was exploring Death Mountain the other day again. And I stumbled upon this, this side quest where a bunch of, a bunch of the um, 
the the what's what's the name of uh the like the the human forces who are fighting like the zonai rescue team um yeah. a, a bunch of the zonai rescue team were convinced that princess zelda told them to go explore a cave uh and fight monsters in their underwear they were convinced <laughs> that they had to fight the monsters in this cave only in their underwear and so sure enough, I had to go into this cave and uh, drop all of my weapons and my equipment and no armor, just link in his underwear and fight these monsters in the cave. Uh, obviously, you could pick up like, uh, you know, rusty swords and, you know, uh, torches and whatnot and, and wooden shields in the cave and fight your monsters uh, like that. Uh, only to uh, you know, and when I go back to the stable, when I went back to the stable where the the people in their un- in their underwear were resting, um, suddenly it turns out that they misheard Zelda. They were not supposed to like, I, and I don't remember. Uh, instead of hearing uh, something about, uh, I don't remember, like bear, they understood underwear. <laughs> And it was like this this embarrassing miscommunication between the Zonai rescue team and Princess Zelda. And that was like a side quest of 30 minutes. And that was it. And it's like this, this funny, crazy moment in this game. And it was just a side quest. And that I discovered accidentally because I was wandering around Death Mountain. Uh, I discovered a stable that I hadn't discovered before. And the stable led me to this side quest and this moment. And Tears of the Kingdom is full of these moments. There's more character development. Uh, I did. I just did a whole quest to save Lurlin Village, uh, the village in the south that was attacked by pirates. And after you do that, a whole other branch of quests opens up to restore Lurlin Village. I don't even know how to describe this game. If you finish the story and you feel like you've seen it all, trust me, you haven't seen it all. I spent, at the time, I think my save file for Breath of the Wild is at approaching 200 hours. I think I put about 190 hours in Breath of the Wild and I completed Breath of the Wild. Like I literally, well, no, I guess I didn't find all the Korok seeds, but I did all the weapon and armor upgrades, all the stables, all the shrines, everything. I don't think it's going to be possible to do this for Tears of the Kingdom in 200 hours. Uh, this ga- this is the kind of game that will last forever, which is why it's obviously my game of the year, which is also why I truly believe that whatever Nintendo is going to do for the Nintendo Switch 2, which I remain convinced should be called the Super Nintendo Switch, yeah, baby. Um, they what they should do is upscaling for old Nintendo Switch games. Let me keep my save file and let me continue Tears of the Kingdom in 4K on the Nintendo Switch 2 via upscaling. I am convinced that Nintendo will do DLSS upscaling with NVIDIA, but that's a topic for another time. Tears of the Kingdom is an incredible game. Even if you finish the story, there is still so much world building going on it is ridiculous that this game exists on the switch i am loving all over this game once again and it's the reason this is the reason why it's my game of the year um i also wanted to mention Baldur's gate 3 <laughs> that i tried for a couple of hours and i didn't understand and i didn't like it and dave the diver 
which I played for about five hours. I kind of dropped off. Uh, I liked it, but not as much as I liked Sea of Stars in terms of okay. uh, indie games or indie-like games for me this year. Oh, man, I wish I could get out of Zelda what you guys get. I think hmm. what I'm going to need, and I know this is an impossible ask, is one of you two or somebody who gets the game to sit with me when I get irredeemably stuck because I've got no patience. Compared to you both, I have zero patience. I have to be it really careful with my time. You, right? I can't afford it. Like, no, 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 no. To... I, I, no, I loved it up until the point I got stuck. And then I tried and tried and tried. And I thought, you know what? If I ask someone for help now, is that my failure? Is it the game's failure? What is it? And and at that point, I thought, it's going to be embarrassing for me to ask somebody how to do this because it's probably really easy and I'm going to feel dumb. But then again, I think, given all that's in there and given that it sounds like the kind of game that I would really love, I got, I don't know, I spent about four or five hours, which is embarrassing given that I didn't really get that far. And two of those hours were just trying to get out of the area I was seemingly stuck in. So it might just be time for me to wipe the save and start again. Maybe. Anyway. I don't know. But the funny thing is a game I've actually played the most mm. this year is a really old game, Geometry Wars 3 Dimensions Evolved, which is a hardcore twin-stick shooter, so it doesn't count. But that is a game in which I put the most time. And earlier, Mike, you talked about whether you'd go back to a game or not. It's very unusual. This is one of the very, very few games I didn't just go back to, but I actually finished. Right. Which, you know, it's it's a pretty hard game. I'm pretty pleased. And I went through all of the scores that one of my twin-stick shooter nerd friends had got really high scores on, and I doubled most of his scores. In one case, I 10 x to one of his scores. So that gave me a great deal of satisfaction. I thought there are some areas in which I probably still have it. So anyway, that was the game I actually played the most. But the other interesting thing I want to report about this year, which is going to surprise both of you, is that in 2023, I spent more time playing video games than I did reading books. Oh, yeah, maybe. Huh. Unless you that didn't read any books. That is the first time. Maybe no, okay. I read a lot. Okay, good. I read good. a lot. Yeah, I read a lot. But I spent more time playing video games, which really surprises me. And I really took uh, a lot of pleasure. You know, I, I, I didn't just buy stuff for the sake of it. For example, I bought the Elite controller for the Xbox. Mm -hmm. I bought the Edge for the PS5. And I used them throughout. And I thought, this has really improved the games for me. Like, this is how I touch the games. And they all feel better. And I was able to do things like adapt the controllers to use in certain situations. For example, let's go through my list, shall we? Number three for me was Street Fighter VI. I'd been nice. looking forward to this for a long, long time. A long time. And the thing that surprised me massively about Street Fighter VI, really surprised me, and I think it surprised a lot of people, was that they committed the ultimate heresy. They messed with the controls. They offered two new uh, control styles, um, and although the dynamic style is probably not to everybody's liking, for beginners it's wonderful because you can just mash buttons and look amazing. But the the other the the modern style is actually one that a lot of really good Street Fighter players have been making use of. It's a I think it's a welcome enhancement mm -hmm. on the original 
you don't get quite the same flexibility as with the original control, but because it's so much quicker and smoother to execute a lot of the most basic moves and combos, a lot of advanced players have been using it. I really enjoyed the modern control. I've gone back and tried the original control, and I can't do it now. I much prefer the modern control method. I love the, the characters. I love the gameplay. I love the combos. I love the training. In two-player, it was just wonderful. I've not tried it online yet, and the reason for that is simple. I would get battered, yeah, it's almost and it would be demoralized. yourself, right? Like... <laughs> But I played it enough one player, played it enough two player with the family. You know, we were, even played it yesterday and had a lot of fun. I beat my son for the first time yesterday in months, which was amazing. Oh, I have to say. Do a victory lap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. Yeah. I did. Probably the last time. <laughs> so, so my number two, and this will surprise many people too, is the Call of Duty Modern Warfare series. I went through and played all of the remasters one to three and i was there a three remaster i'm not sure there was i think there was a one and a two i don't recall a three but then i played the reboots the modern versions and i loved the first one i also played actually um cold war okay completed that so when i say played all of these i mean i finished the story mode and all mm -hmm. of them and absolutely loved them and for me that the the highlight was Modern Warfare 2. And the reason for that is a similar reason to the one that you gave for Spider-Man, Mike, which is there was no loading screen ever. It was seamless. It was continuous. And it finally felt like next gen. It looked amazing, felt amazing. It was smooth and it was responsive and there were never any breaks. So I was able to play it continuously. Even when they introduced stealth, now, at first, I thought, you know, this is not my style. And then they added, added some crafting. I mean, are you kidding? A little bit of crafting. Oh, and, and I thought, I, I can't stand it. I don't want crafting. But you know what? <laughs> After a while, it's like, oh, I like this. You know, this is what I need. So this is what I need to find. And after a while, I just got, I just got into it and really enjoyed it. So it's nothing like crafting in, in a game in which crafting is important. But it was there, and it was important that you learned how to do it. And the stealth sections, to begin with, were frustrating because I just like all-out blasting and adrenaline and so on. But after a while, again, I kind of eased into it and really loved it. So, so for me, those were the games into which I put the most time after uh, Geometry Wars. Geometry Wars, I put an obscene amount of time, by the way. I mean, it must have been an average of an hour a day over 100 days, so... I probably put in about 50, 60 hours into Modern Warfare, maybe a bit more, actually. It's, it's a close call between those two. But my number one game is going to surprise you, I think. Super Mario Bros. Wonder is my number one game. From the, the guy who wanted to retire Mario. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys are talking about this being his swan song anyway. So maybe I was just well, well. as usual. No, I'm not sure if anyone said that. I don't, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you made that up. <laughs> you, you heard what you wanted to yes. hear. Nurse. I, I always hear what I want to hear. <laughs> so this for me is like Mario designers on the last day of school, where yeah. the teachers just let the kids do whatever they want. All the games are out, no lessons. 
everything that you've been taught goes out the window. Just let it all out onto the in, into the classroom. Sheer chaos, but beautifully controlled. It's not like they they forgot all of their disciplines. I found it really approachable. You know that there, there were other Mario games where I thought maybe they've made this a little hard because they're expecting people who are already very familiar with the Mario series to want more of a challenge. And with this, I thought they've made it much more approachable. That said, if you wanted it to be hard, it could be. And I did like that. I just loved that there were still areas in game design that the Mario designers could still surprise us with. There were still moments in there where I was just slack-jawed with delight and wonder. And I think wonder is the best name they could possibly have given it so because i enjoyed it so much because the family enjoyed it so much you know we enjoyed it together that kind of thing is really important to me the only reason call of duty made my list because you'll note the other two games are much more social oriented they're much more fun when not necessarily two players are playing at the same time or or two or more but when other people can watch right so they're they're both good like that the reason Call of Duty made that list simply is because it's the game I enjoyed personally the most and got the most fulfillment out of yeah. and completed so many um, versions of. But but otherwise, the theme for me generally is, is this a game I can enjoy with my family? Is this a game that's social? Is this a game that's fun, that gets us laughing more than it does get us annoyed or frustrated? But... For me, that was the thing with Wonder, was that it was perfectly named. It was joyful. It was hilarious. It was surprising. It was Nintendo on acid. Mm -hmm. Very good game. Yeah. And uh, it is one that I do want to go back and do more with. Uh, Like, I want to finish the main story. I feel like it's something that we can get to. But again, I just... I hadn't gotten to it. All right, so we're in a normal situation where there is no total consensus, mm-hmm. which I think is very is very normal for us. Um, we're essentially looking at either Mario because it's on all of our lists, um, or Zelda because it's two out of three. Yeah, yeah. I would push. We've always Zelda. gone for the majority. Before. I think it. it, it I don't know if there are rules. It makes sense. I don't know if there are rules. Uh, but I, I would push for Zelda. I, I really enjoyed Mario, but I think it doesn't hold a candle to it. I think we should make Zelda Game of the Year and Mario Wonder as runner-up. Yeah, I can live with that. I can live with Me that. Me too. Yeah, that's great. So congratulations, <laughs> Nintendo. You congratulations, did it again. <laughs> congratulations, <laughs> Zelda, for uh, <laughs> uh, Zelda is the boy. Zelda the is the boy. Oh. <laughs> Zelda uh, did it. <laughs> And we're really proud of Zelda. Zelda. <laughs> uh, look, looking at, uh, we'll probably do an episode soon uh, talking about this year, but Nintendo, man, unstoppable. We could have a very good year ahead. Well, that's it for our game of the year discussion. Uh, I hope that you've enjoyed our episode. And congratulations again to Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. 